Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Show. More managerial movements as Paunovic finally leaves Reading and Fergie walks from Posh. Meanwhile, Huddersfield stunned Fulham. It's all square between the top two in League One, where Wickham and Cheltenham share 10 goals. And in League Two, Mike Flynn makes the perfect start to life as Walsall boss. This is the Totally Football League Show in association with Paddy Power. Hello, listener. We're back again for another week. It's Monday, so we'll be talking through all the big action from the weekend in the EFL. I'm Matt Davis-Adams, joined to do just that by Adrian Clark. Hello, Matt. Hi, Adrian. Also with us, the undisputed master of the nil-nil draw from Sky Sports, <laughs> it's Michelle Owen. A hat-trick, no less. Hello. <laughs> Would have been different if they got it on at Dean Court on Friday night, I'm sure. Uh, right, let's get straight into the championship then. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Our championship headlines, managerial movements, Paunovic and Fergie both go. Huddersfield stunned Fulham. Sheffield United are into the playoffs after the Blades slice the Swans. Borough shocked by Bristol City. West Brom still without a win or a goal under Bruce as Luton push for the playoffs. And Derby leave it late again. But we are going to start at Deepdale. Reading came into Saturday's game at Preston, having snapped their eight-match losing streak in that Dower nil-nil with Peterborough midweek. But they need wins to move themselves away from the bottom three. They got one here, but it proved to be a goodbye gift for Velko Panovic, who left by probably not that mutual consent. Uh, apparently that had been agreed before the game. Um, Clarky, would they have told the players that before the game as well, do you think? No, I, my understanding is that he himself told the players in the dressing room straight after the game. So what was a fairly euphoric dressing room, <laughs> the atmosphere was was soured straight away, I think. So so quite quite a large amount of shock, I'd imagine, on the on, on the players' side because they'd just won and they were feeling good. But well played, Panovic, for, for, for continuing for the game and, and getting through it. And he must have real... Real mixed feelings. No surprise is there that that they made the change, and I, I've been fairly consistent on that for a few weeks. That that something different needed to happen, but I'm not sure how happy I'd be if if I was Velko Panovic being replaced by a guy that hasn't been in management for for eight years. It's it, there's a part of him must think, come on, you know. It, I don't mind if you bring in someone that's sort of hot, match fit, as as we, as we described before. But but this is some this is a really random appointment for me. Yeah, Michelle, there must be another a reason for it other than his son is currently with us on loan. But I can't think of one. As Clarkie says, eight years since Paul Ince last managed the team, he wasn't terrifically successful then. Had a decent start to his career, but that that was ages ago. Yeah, is there some clarification on what the interim period is? Hmm, that's a good question. I think Reading have been quite vague about it. Let's have a look. Because I've had a little look and it all seemed a little bit, little bit vague. 
but yeah, I mean, it's a, a bit of a surprise appointment. I saw an interview with him a few months ago saying he wasn't done with coaching and management, which I thought was quite interesting. But his name did not cross my mind at all. I was thinking of your Warnocks or someone like that if he wanted to pull pull them away from trouble. But I don't know, maybe it's the club philosophy. I'm, I'm not quite sure what that philosophy is. But what was the last te- team he managed? would be Blackpool, didn't it? And before mm-hmm. that, Notts County, MK Dons. But yeah, the fans gauging what they're seeing on social media, it's quite mixed, isn't it, from what I've seen? So... Look, if he keeps them up, job done. But we don't really know how long this interim period is and what they're looking for longer term. But I think I read that he won't be getting it on a permanent basis. That doesn't even seem to be judged whether he does a good job or not. Maybe that will change if he does a good job. I'm not sure. It's a, it's a bit of a different one. I've not seen this many times before. Have you? Uh, Chief Exec Dayong Pang said in the statement, the board and I will now work diligently to identify the right candidates to take this club forward. This work will be done quickly, but without undue haste. Okay, so clear as mud there. Basically. I mean, he's got he's got players that can score goals, hasn't he? Um, I mean, well, they're coming back, aren't they, Adrian? It's whether they can get them up, up and running. You know, obviously Zhao scored a great goal, but Yako Meite as well. If you're getting these mm-hmm. players, really high caliber players back fit, you got to say Reading have been stung by injuries this year. You know, they've just got mm-hmm. Michael Morrison back, but they've had a rough time with injuries. But we were talking about it last week when uh, they had the goal destroyer Peterborough. And we said, with all respect to Peterborough, that Reading squad, you know, in terms of perhaps what it would cost and the difference between them and, and Peterborough was was quite significant. And it was just surprising that Joby said it, ex-Reading. He, you know, Joby, I think, speaks brilliantly, but he was quite strong in his opinions, thinking these players weren't doing enough and weren't playing for the manager. So I guess something had to change. But I think you're right, Clarkie. They've got some great quality in that squad. John Swift's brilliant, isn't he, as well? Well, Joao, it was a bit of a wonder show, wasn't it? From Lucas Joao, two goals, an assist. 3-0 up and flying, then he threw it away. I, I was looking at the goals tallies and, and they've scored the same as Middlesbrough, who might be in the Premier League next year. Uh, you know, I know they lost at the weekend, but they've been flying. Um, you can see but, so many, though. Oh. Yeah, 62 in 32 games, almost two a game. That That's shocking. Well, he's got a home game against Birmingham on Tuesday and then wouldn't you just know it, this being football, away to Blackpool on Saturday, uh, his old club. Interesting as well, that, that interview that Michelle mentioned, he, he said, I would be interested in returning to management, but only for a club with a three-year plan who would be happy to say to me, years one and two don't count, we'll see what happens in year three. He, basically, what's happened, Clark, is this has fallen into his lap and he's just taken, taken it and abandoned that idea totally. Honestly, yeah, well, when you've been out of the coaching game for so long... You just need to get in, don't you? You're out of favour. No one's linking you with any jobs. You're the forgotten man. And I don't know what the deal is, obviously, but it wouldn't surprise me if he was doing this for considerably less than than what his market value would be. I think that, that, that I've known managers to pretty much work for free. <laughs> to get back into the game on a short-term basis to, to remind everybody what they can do and... And maybe that's maybe that's the arrangement there for the for the short term and and see how we get on. But yeah, he just needed a chance, and what a good opportunity he is, because it would be a, a wonderful story if they were to to sort of survive under him, I guess, and and hold off hold off Derby County. Five points above the relegation zone at the moment. It'd be funny if he dropped Tom Ince for the game on Tuesday. Where he <laughs> make a point. Yeah, no, I don't rate him actually. Yeah, he's not playing. <laughs> 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. If you want to read more Football League content from the likes of Nancy Frostick, Paul Taylor, Phil Buckingham, Peter Rutzler, and more of the Athletic's best writers, you can do so by heading to theathletic.com forward slash league show and get yourself a subscription of just £1 a month for the next six months. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. So that wasn't the only managerial movement of the weekend. The big game at the bottom, it went down at Pride Park, Derby County, again, leaving it late to see off Peterborough. And then Peterborough saw off Darren Ferguson. This is the tweet uh, that Posh put out on Sunday night to announce the news. Peterborough United can confirm that the co-owners have accepted the resignation of manager Darren Ferguson following a phone call made by Darren to Darren McCantony on Sunday. And the wording of that, Michelle, I think is interesting. It says to me that Darren Ferguson and Darren McAntony have fallen out, basically. What do you think? I th- the thing that struck me was a phone call was quite... Um, I mean, everyone everyone's an individual, and it's really hard to comment when you haven't seen what's going on, but a phone call is quite an unusual way to do it. You'd have thought maybe, unless Darren McAntony's out of the country, I don't know, but that was an unusual way to do it, is what struck me from that. But I thought the statement from Peter was really, really nice which would hint to me that maybe they hadn't fallen out. So I was a bit confused. But, yeah, the, he said, um, Darren McCanty said, myself and two partners regard Darren as one of the greatest managers of this football club, most certainly in the modern era. And he also paid tribute to the sort of constraints he's had to work under. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I would imagine, obviously, Ferguson never wanted Sariki Dembele to go at the end of the transfer window. And they managed to keep hold of him in August. But when we were watching those games, I thought, yeah, they've probably got him for another five months. I felt like he was always going to go, wasn't he? Because it was going to be Rangers in summer. That never happened. Obviously gone to Bournemouth now. Maybe there's some frustration over the transfers in, in January. But I'm not sure if they've fallen out or not. It's really hard to read between the lines on these things unless you're privy to the actual conversation. I don't know what you guys think. My reading of the situation was that it was Ferguson's idea. You know, it was a phone call from him to Darren McAntony to offer his resignation because he obviously feels that that he, he's taken the team as far as he can. I mean, it, maybe he was quite emotional. It's another. It's a huge game, wasn't it, against Derby County? Probably felt a need to get something from it. And they didn't, and he maybe just wanted to fall on fall on his sword. I mean, that that was my reading of it. But they said last week, didn't they? They said yeah. last week that he would definitely stay hmm. if if they went down. What what irrespective of what division they're in next year. Ferguson would be there mm. and that's when I read it I was so surprised so I, I agree with Clarkie that it was something that maybe Darren Ferguson just felt like he could not do any more than he has done yeah exactly I mean off, across the last 12 games just six points that's the joint worst total alongside Barnsley and Reading and we know what's happened with those two clubs so it's not that surprising the, the thing for me there are two two things that have gone really wrong for Peterborough this season. One was last summer. They didn't recruit better defenders because the, the defence that they had w- wasn't great in League One. They were letting in a lot of goals. So they needed to get better players. And I think they were too loyal to the ones that got them up. And then during the course of this season, I think he'll be really disappointed with the, with the strike force and the way that they've 
not created as many chances as they should. Because one thing Peterborough have always guaranteed under him is excitement, a real threat going forward. But, you know, second lowest scorers in the division. It's not. It's just not happened for them. Um, minus 35 goal difference. It's, you know, it's not good. I cannot believe it was goalless between them and Peterborough. Yeah. And they literally <laughs> both concede every single game. <laughs> but yeah, it felt, I, it felt like those two games were those proverbial cliched six-pointers last week for Peterborough. And they came away with nothing. And maybe that was just the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. But, Michelle, it's going to be hard to prize a, another manager out of a job and attract them to, you know, Peter Presider in the relegation zone of 1-5 of 31. Is this where the Warnock bat signal gets thrown up, do you think? Oh, do you think that's their philosophy, though? Well, but is, at this point, is that? your philosophy staying in the league and anything yeah, else can fair, wait till next season? That's a fair comment. I was looking at some odds this morning, um about who who could go there next because I think yeah if you're going to go there from another club right now interestingly my, we were just talking about it my husband and I last night he said oh I wonder if Neil Harris would have fancied that but obviously he's gone to Gillingham but like Clarkie just said when you get an opportunity you take it I've seen linked Carl Robinson which I thought was an interesting one Rob Edwards Forest Green. This is just what I've read online. I've got no substance apart from odds online for these. Valerian Ishmael and Mick McCarthy was the one I thought off the top of my head. I thought Mick McCarthy or Neil Warnock can go in there. They want to do a rescue job. If they want something else, then they may be one of the others. But it depends what they're looking for. If their immediate goal is championship status this season, then yeah, you'd get someone like Warnock, then, wouldn't you? You would think from an outside perspective. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think I think Mick McCarthy might be a good chat in the short term. Um, Grant McCann lives locally, apparently. Doesn't live too yep. far away. He used to play for Peter, didn't he? Yeah, Darren McContney is obviously he, he's got previous for re-employing managers that he's worked with in the past, and I'd say Grant McCann was maybe the second best manager that he's worked with during his tenure. Obviously, what about the, Lee Johnson? What about Lee Johnson? Do you, great do, shout, or do you good not shout. think is he enough of a firefighter to go in there? And I think you guys are completely spot on in in that. Are they going to get someone to keep them up? But I'm not saying Lee Johnson couldn't do that. But I feel like longer term, Lee Johnson could be quite a good sort of project well, for them. Streaky Lee, it, all he needs to do is like like a six, a six or seven game streak, and then that's good enough, isn't it? So yeah, winning run and they're up. But yeah, yeah it's it's tough down there. It's it's three of those four, isn't it? Now you you got you'd think from the way the table's looking. But I'd, strange. I'd take that. it if I was Lee Johnson though, Michelle. I would because because. I think he's a good chairman. I do like Darren McAntony. I think I, I like. I His like podcast is a good listen, isn't it? If you ever yeah, listen to that, I, I, it's, uh, it's good, not as good as this insight. one. Um, make of sure course, you always listen to the Totally Football. You can League always show listen first. to another one if you need to, but obviously go for this one first. Is what I was gonna say, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of the game on Saturday, Derby won it late. Louis Sibley, uh, they go above Posh five points from safety. Uh, you know, after gaming the system for years and, and selling one first-team player in January despite having millions of pounds worth of debt. What a heartwarming story it would be if they did manage to pull off the great escape. Uh, shock of the weekend in the Championship came on the banks of the Thames where Huddersfield handed Fulham their first league defeat of 2022 as the Terriers tightened their grip on a playoff spot. Here, Doogie's going to put a clip in of them scoring a penalty later. Um, Michelle, we need to start giving Huddersfield some proper credit on this podcast, I think. I don't think you've been a part of this, but I certainly have. Uh, we kind of assumed that they will fade away, but they're 15 games unbeaten and they've just beaten the side who are going to walk away with the league. Uh, let's be honest, though. Not many of us saw that coming on Saturday morning. Huddersfield going there and getting a result. I mean, they hadn't been scoring Huddersfield. You know, 2 nil nils back-to-back and... 
beating Derby before that, with respect to Derby, you probably would have thought, well, actually, don't know what to think when Derby play at the moment. But wasn't expecting that at all. And um, it was one I missed, actually, because I was driving. And I pulled it up on my phone later. I was like, am I reading this right? Is that the right way around? I, I was genuinely quite surprised. And, and maybe that, you're right, we do need to give them more respect because Huddersfield are in the playoffs. Why can't they beat Fulham? You know, it's just they've gone about it not unnoticed, but maybe not getting enough credit. And I think we're all guilty of it, like you say. Because, do you say that I think they're 15 unbeaten in all competitions, aren't they? Fifth in the table. You know, they are four points clear of Borough now. Uh, Borough have a couple of games in hand. But I think as fans, as a football fan, we always give six points for two games in hand, don't we? But nothing's a given in that playoff race. And if you want to look at the collective, you know, I've been putting some of the pundits on the spot on the sofa and saying, right, who's, um, who's going to be in the mix at the end? And they're not a name that has been mentioned as much as QPR or Sheffield United or, or Forest. But, yeah, it does feel like if they're going to do it, they need to do it now. Because if there's going to be changes in summer with a, with a few clubs, Carlos Corbran could be one that if Bielsa is to leave Leeds, as some are saying he is, then he I think he, he could definitely be looked at to go back there. And... The way he's gone about, from what they did last season to where they finished to where they are now, is quite incredible. Maybe not always the sexiest football, but they're getting results. O'Brien moving forward and Rodak and Thomas collide. Penalty! Sorba Thomas knows all he has to do is get there before the goalkeeper and there will be contact. What did you make of the penalty, Clarkey, in this game? Marco Silva said it wouldn't have been a penalty if it had been Mitrovic who had been the player involved which I thought was an odd thing to say. Yeah, I think that's odd as well. I, no, I don't. It, it certainly wasn't a player cheating. He was just getting himself, nipping in there, wasn't he? Getting himself in a position where he he was likely to to be to be knocked. Um, oh, I thought it was quite a smart penalty. Or was it Sorba Thomas who did it? Um, I didn't think it was as controversial as, as, as maybe Fulham were making out. I'd, I'd rather give credit to Huddersfield here. They A lot of teams will go to Craven Cottage and be a little bit scared and set up defensively. But what they did, they did the opposite. They went with a, a 4-4-2. And a lot of the time that looked like a 4-2-4 because the, the wide players were really advanced. And they went for it. They just sort of, yeah, whenever they had an opportunity to be positive and to drive at them, they did it and they pressed superbly. I think that was the idea, really, to to have those four at the top end of the pitch to put the Fulham defence under pressure, and and it worked. So I think you've got to got to praise them, unbeaten since the end, end of November, um, and it just it just is a little reminder, isn't it, that Fulham aren't the perfect team. We've, we've waxed lyrical this season about them. Obviously, the, the, the three up front or the four forwards have been great. Mitrovic, Cabano, Wilson, Carvalho. But that defence isn't brilliant, in my opinion. Um, it, if they do go up, I think they might need a whole new defence. Um, you know, I think seven teams have kept more clean sheets in the Championship than Fulham this season. And when you've got as much of the ball in the opposition half as, as they do... Don't think that reflects brilliantly. So, so there are there are little weaknesses there. Just be interesting to see whether other teams now try and follow the Huddersfield blueprint because that was uh, that was how to do them.
Uh, well, Fulham are still 10 points clear of the playoff places. Uh, Sheffield United are the form team in the division just now. They've taken 21 points from their last 10 games. The latest three came in a 4-0 shellacking of Swansea at Bramall Lane. Means Paul Hecking Bottom's side occupy that final playoff place. First time they've been in the top six all season. And Michelle, there's always one team, isn't there, that, that hits form at this part of the campaign and, and then just kind of blows everybody away. I mean, it might be Sheffield United. And, and again, we need a, a slap on the wrist because we were quite dismissive of Paul Heckingbottom and he's kind of turned it around for them. Yeah, I remember seeing Sheffield United beat, beat Fulham in December. We were talking about Fulham just now and thinking, oh, OK. Um, but look, they're against a Swansea side where you, you just don't know what you're going to get with them, this Swansea team. And I don't really imagine it's the opposition. You know they're going to have loads of the ball. You just don't know what they're going to do with it. And if you're talking about 62% blueprints... possession yeah. and two shots on target, that's just. I, mean... um, I saw a quote from Russell Martin after the gap between us at our best and worst is far too big. I thought that is spot on. And the gap between us at home and away is far too big. That's my fault. We need to have a look at that. Well, it's a bit late in the day to be to be looking at it now. They need to get on that quickly. Look, Swansea are going to be fine this season, but. Two shots on target, and they've lost the last three away from home. It's, it's, it's pretty poor. But for yeah, Sheffield United, as it stands, and the job Paul Heckingbottom's doing, look where they've come from when they're under Slavisa Jukanovic. He's just gone back to playing, playing their strengths, and the players just look galvanised by it. But they were up against the Swansea side, who, for their fans, oh, they must be so frustrating to watch at times because you see them brilliant against Cardiff earlier in the season in the South Wales Derby where they're getting it all spot on. And I've seen games where it all just clicks for them. You think, OK, this is it. They're going to go on now. They're going to go on a run. This is how they'll play. But they just can't seem to do it consistently. And passing without the penetration at times can be a little bit dull to watch. And teams have sussed it out, I think. At Sheffield United, Clarkey, we, we kind of criticised their, their transfer business as well over the summer. But, but one that's really, really come off big style is Morgan Gibbs White isn't it seven goals five assists brilliant here he's he's made a, a massive a massive impact in his time there I, I don't think anyone was criticizing the, the loan signing of Morgan Gibbs White I think the loanee acquisitions were okay actually um rubbing it in wasn't he against a team that he's represented in the past Morgan Gibbs White he's class I'm I'm surprised that Bruno Large hasn't sort of found more of a place for him Within his first team squad at, at Molyneux, because he, he he looks tremendous. He's got he's got great skill, confidence. He can finish, gets himself into good areas. Yeah, there's a lot to like about about Morgan Gibbs White. Two great finishes here and an assist. Um, brilliant. Talking of assists, what about Norwood's for, for for his first goal? That was that was a brilliant pass over the top. So yeah, this was a great day for Sheffield United. It was. A, Good time to play Swansea for all the reasons Michelle's outlined. Haven't scored in their last four away games. And Swansea away to the top eight. <laughs> Michelle said she doesn't know what they're going to get when she watches them. Well, against the top eight away, you know that they're going to lose. <laughs> because that's pretty much, or, or not win. I think they've had three three draws. So three points from a possible 24 away to the to the top eight this season. So, um, yeah, they've been outclassed in the, in the toughest games. But yeah, Sheffield United coming with a run, very creative, solid at the back. Obviously, Fodringham's keeping clean sheets for fun at the moment. I loved George Baldock's celebration, didn't you? It was a, it was a great volley, but it, it was a celebration of a man that does not Doesn't score, score much. <laughs> it was like, yes! He just couldn't control himself, could he? Um, <laughs> loved to see it. But yeah, Sheffield United, 
probably right now the third best team in the division. I don't know. I, th- I think if you look at the chances created in open play, that they are third behind Fulham and Bournemouth. So very dangerous opponents for anyone at the moment. Uh, two clubs heading in different directions met at Kenilworth Road. The result reflected the form book. Luton saw off West Brom to move to within two points of the playoffs. They're in good form of late, aren't they, Luton, Michelle? Which makes that, that 3-0 defeat at Birmingham all the stranger. Um, Nathan Jones says they're not Fulham or Bournemouth, they're Luton and they like being Luton and they are quite good at being Luton. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a Nathan Jones thing to, Nathan Jones thing to, to say, doesn't it? But... Uh, yeah, I saw his comments after he called it a massive victory. I mean, look, he always celebrates with his heart on his sleeve, doesn't he? But credit to Luton. If I'd have told you Christmas Christmas time that Luton were beating West Brom and where West Brom were, were in the table, then we wouldn't have thought it. But that West Brom have been poor, but Luton rode their luck at times. Um, Jed Steer's debut, really pleased for him to get a clean sheet. But I think when he kicked it out and it was chested down by, by Osho, Carol nipped in, you know, rode their luck a little bit at times. But... Alan Campbell, oh, this is a scoring spree, isn't it? Um, great goal by him. Cameron Jerome, rolling back the years with respect to him. I'd have to be careful saying that because sometimes we share a sofa at Sky, but um, it is huge for them. you know. And they're in the mix as well. We can't discount Luton in the playoff race. They're, they're above West Brom and oh, West Brom just can't score, just cannot score goals. And for Steve Bruce, it's hardly been an ideal start. I know I know things take a while to click, but no goals yet under him. And saw them last Monday against Blackburn. It, it was an OK game. I thought Andy Carroll did really well that game, but I'm not sure where their goals are coming from going forward. But look, credit to Luton. They are where they are. And yep, they're very proud to be themselves, as, as Nathan Jones said. And they could be in the top six come the end of the season. Why not? Clarky, you also saw West Brom in the fre- in the flesh last week against Blackburn. How bad didn't even were say they? Hi to me, by the way. Sorry, <laughs> he was around the corner. I didn't know, and Clark didn't even come and say hi. How about that? Guy? I was tucking it. I was tucking into my uh, what was it? A chicken and chicken and ham pie or something like that. And yeah, just complete. Well, I didn't know. I didn't know you were there until I Food got outside. Who comes first, Clarky? It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> was the chicken and ham pie the best thing about the evening? Uh. <laughs> it might have been, yeah. It was um, no. It wasn't. It wasn't an awful nil niler. It wasn't, um, was it? No. No, I, I quite enjoyed it. But but Blackburn were the better team. West mm. Brom, he's got a lot of work to do. Steve Bruce to get them into the playoff picture again is it's not going to come overnight. It was nice to see them trying to pass on the floor. That was a start. It was nice to see a little bit of movement. You could see some patterns of play that didn't exist under Ishmael, but. I guess to go from one extreme to, to to a very different kind of style overnight and be fluent is, is just unrealistic, isn't it? So he's got a lot a lot of work to do on the training ground to, to get them flowing. Um, I agree with Michelle. Andy Carroll, I thought, was excellent against Blackburn Rovers and, and he was pretty good in this match at the weekend as well. I think he had four shots. They just needed to get someone closer to him. And And what was interesting, I think, here was that Steve Bruce went back to a back three. So he started with a back four, something different to Ismail. He went back to a back three for this one because Bartley was fit. And maybe to get Grant into that position where he's closer to Andy Carroll, who was isolated against Blackburn. And, and it, yeah, it, it didn't work. Well, first half, I think, was, was pretty good for, for West Brom in this game. Missed their chances. And then second half, when they fell behind, you're looking for a reaction. Wasn't one. 
and and that is a concern for Steve Bruce, who didn't pull any punches afterwards. He 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 pretty much laboured it abysmal and said it wasn't wasn't good enough. Uh, and I, and I'd have to agree. <sighs> Callum Robinson just didn't look didn't look confident in the game that I saw in the flesh. Carlin Grant neither. This Alex Mowat nowhere near what what he's capable of. So needs to get those creative players going. Can't can't just rely on. Andy Carroll smashing someone in the box and, and and you know heading heading home a hopeful cross. You've got to have a little bit more. So yeah, interesting times ahead. But right in the here and now, I cannot see West Brom finishing in the playoffs. I know I mentioned him there as well, by the way. But but just to mention Jed Steer again, you know he's been third choice keeper at Villa, not getting a sniff, and to come in and keep a clean sheet on his first game, even though he did ride his luck at times, is massive for him. And I hope the move works out for him. Maybe it could become permanent in the end, I don't know. But he deserves a shot at something because he was so good for Villa in that penalty shootout against West Brom, in that playoff push at the end of the promotion season. I just hope he finds a move where it works for him because I think he's a really good championship keeper and he's never really got the chance in the Prem for whatever reason. So, fingers crossed, it carries on going well for him. And on Logan, very quickly, um, can they make the playoffs? Well, they're in playoff form. Last 10 games... 20 points. Two points a game. There's always a team, isn't there? There's always a team that goes on a run. Two points a game gets you there. Yeah. Well, they go to Stoke in midweek, do Luton. While Steve Bruce and Andy Carroll are heading back to the northeast, they take on Middlesbrough. Let's try our hands at another bet builder with the help of our friends at Paddy Power and guest producer Doogie. Uh, Michelle, your pick. I mean, talk about risk-free. Tell us what it is, please. (laughs) Fulham to beat... Peterborough. Look, if you want to win an Acker, come on. I genuinely, I was looking at all the other games and I was thinking, I don't know what to call from the Championship this week. I really, genuinely, I didn't. So I thought, with respect to Peterborough, I can't, I can only see that going one way. If we if we put a tenner on this, I reckon we'll win 50p. What, what are your terrible odds for that? Well, it's a safe, <laughs> it's a safe way to start the bet builder, that's for sure. Uh, Doogie, give us the odds on that and also your pick. For our bet builder, please. Michelle's shout of Fulham to beat Peterborough is currently 1 to 6 on Paddy Power, whilst my call of Middlesbrough to continue Steve Bruce's tricky start at West Brom is 6 to 5. Thanks, Doogie. Right, League One next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. In League One, a first defeat for Alex Neal, his Sunderland beaten at home by the McDonald's. Uh, all square in the meeting of the top two on Friday night. A 10-goal thriller at Adams Park with Alfie May to the fore and Bolton and Oxford crushed Wimbledon and Charlton. Uh, let's start with that eye-catcher, though. The Friday night meeting of leaders Rotherham and second-place Wigan Athletic. Clarkey was spreading the news at the New York, New York Stadium for TalkSport. <laughs> uh, it was a late call-up off the bench for you, Adrian. Uh, and a well-spent evening, by the sounds of it. it. looked like a decent game, this. It was cracking, yeah. And I, I listened to the Thursday edition of the Totally Football League show on my way up, just to, to help my prep. So thank you very much for that. Um, no, it was, it was a, a surprisingly good game. Not... That that many shots, but 
just absorbing, really, really absorbing. Two excellent teams. You can see why they're the top two. And it was full-blooded. <laughs> it was no place for, for shrinking violets in this game. It was The tackles were flying in. There was no time on the ball. It, it was a pleasure to be there, I have to say, in a great atmosphere. Great atmosphere, helped by the sort of sell-out contingent from, from Wigan. 2000, um, weren't there? 2000 yeah, it was, it was terrific. It really was. And, and they shocked Rotherham, didn't they, early on with the goal. Great hit um, by, by Humphreys, who was razor sharp, I have to say. Get this for a stat. That was only the sixth first half goal Rotherham have conceded all season. They've had 32 matches <laughs> and they've conceded six first half goals. It's just remarkable, but they did respond well. They didn't let it, they didn't panic. And uh, they scored, well, a goal that was just a little bit better, actually, from, from Ollie Rathbone. Just a, a phenomenal hit from sort of 20, 25 yards. Keeper didn't stand a chance. But, yeah, I was impressed by both. Rotherham looked vulnerable to Wigan's fast breaks. They attacked so quickly. They, they, one minute they're defending and then the next they're on the, on the, the edge of the opposition's box. It's, it's really impressive. And, and Rotherham were tested. Harding, Wood and Ahikwa had to... Had to work hard, but um, yeah, they did well. Ogbene, friend of the show, very good again at right wing back. Um, so yeah, look, I, I think both teams come out come out of that one with credit. Wigan, Michelle, three points clear of third place. MK, albeit still with with three games in hand. So this is a this is a fine result for them, isn't it? They got Wigan midweek, but then three straight home games against Sunderland, Fleetwood, and Wimbledon. And given their respective forms, you'd, you'd say they're all winnable. So still very well placed. Yeah, really well placed. I mean, I saw people saying the Rotherham point suits them better, but I'm still guilty of doing it. You know, two games in hand over Rotherham, but then they've got a gap of three points to MK Dons, three games in hand. I think they're looking, I think they're looking pretty comfy there at the moment. You'd probably rather have the points or have played the games and, and have the points than have to play the games in hand. But I thought, from what I've seen, it was a really, really good game. And to go there and, and get a point on the night... They'll be happy with that. I thought Gavin Massey has been playing out of position, hasn't he, Clarkey? He did, yeah. He was at he, right wing he, back, wasn't he? He played at right wing back. It was an unbelievably bold team selection from Liam yeah. Richardson, actually. He picked three forward players. He had two attackers at wing back. If you you know, McLean is, is more of a winger than a full back, isn't he? Well he is in my opinion. Massey's definitely more of a an attacker. So yeah, it was it was really brave. Um what a time of well. what a time of the season to be making those decisions is what I thought as well. You know, even though they didn't have as much of the ball, it seemed on paper a brave team selection from what Clarky saw. It all paid off, and I thought, I, I like Liam Richardson. I like the way he speaks, and I like what he's doing there. So I, I definitely can see Wigan in the top two come the end of the season. But there's a crowd of clubs behind them coming up, coming up behind them with games in hand, and the way it has happened this season with COVID and weather postponements. It's just hard to call, isn't it, for sure. But if they were the top two at the end of the season, I don't think any of us would, would be too surprised. Yeah, and definitely two managers going places in Liam Richardson and Paul Warren. Now, if you could get a spot in the famously packed car park, then Adams Park was the place to be on Saturday as Wickham and Cheltenham shared 10 goals in a sensational five-all draw. Only goal difference, keeping Wickham in the playoffs now. They haven't won any of their last five. And, and this, Michelle, is very much two points dropped from their perspective, given that they were 5-3 up, as weird of a scoreline as that is to say. Yeah, but what a game, for the neutral especially. Um, Alfie May scoring four in a game and not being on the winning side. 
is is quite incredible. But oh my, with some of the defending on the highlights I've seen was questionable at best, wasn't it? And there were some lovely finishes in there, but yeah, to score four in a game and not be on the winning side, Cheltenham will be disappointed. But it's Cheltenham that will come away from that in the happier at the happier side. He's got eight in four, obviously helped by scoring four and four. But they're ten points clear, Cheltenham of the relegation zone, and they're on course for their highest ever finish, which was seventeenth. Uh, in 2006-2007 season. So I definitely want to give some, some credit to Cheltenham and, and what Michael Duff is, is doing. I think Alfie May signed from Doncaster Rovers and he's caught my Whenever I've watched Cheltenham, I've always thought he's buzzing around. He's always looking to do something. I remember him playing against Man City in a couple, a couple of years ago. So, yeah, credit to, to Cheltenham for, you know, at 5-3, not lying down and saying this is over and coming back. But you would have to question Wickham's mentality a little bit at the moment, you know, they they were five three up, like you say, and their form's sort of gone off gone off the boil. So I'd I'd worry a little bit for Wickham at the moment and their their playoff hopes. Automatic promotion looks a little bit far now, doesn't it? Do you ever have an Alfie May game, Clarky, or play with anyone who did and everything <laughs> you you touched just ended up in the net? Not since the under twelve, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> it was you, wasn't it, under twelve level? Yeah, the uh, I think my record season I got one hundred and twenty one. Um, no way. Yeah, one hundred and twenty one. Yeah. What went wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Other kids got bigger. Um, so yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think I have played in a in a serious game where where someone scored four goals pre season friendlies and stuff definitely. But yeah, it was incredible from from Alfie May, and the quality of the goals w- w- stood out. The hat trick finish was just sublime, wasn't it? The long goal kick, he sort of pulls it out of the sky and then lobs the keeper. That was just it was the stuff of stuff of dreams, really. And um, on Cheltenham, they, they've had a tough run of games. They've, I think they've had Rotherham, Wigan, Sunderland, and Wickham now in the last six games, and they've got five points out of those fixtures. That that's good. And I only got one here, but that, that is really good against the, some of the division's best sides. So so well played them. Um, Wickham, they've let in three or more seven times now this season. And you just don't think that's what Ainsworth's teams would, would do. do you? Just think, I, Sam's been talking about how they're trying to get more attacking players into the team, trying to be a little bit more, play a little bit more football. And I would agree with Sam on that, but has it come at the expense of of defensive stability? And you have to say it might have done. Was there four three against Morecambe, three three Sunderland, three three Fleetwood? Here's a five five. Um, so yeah, they've got to tighten up at the back if they want the playoffs. I think. Um, but up front, whew, pretty tasty, weren't they? I mean, Sully Kaikai was great. Brandon Hanlon looked a, a proper handful in the game. So. So, yeah, pros and cons, but but yeah, I think that, that Michael Duff will be the happier of the two. Yeah, no wins in five now for Wickham. They've drawn their last three. Uh, Adrian, while you're there, can you give us your pick for our bet builder, please? It comes from League One. Yeah, I like betting on boring games. That's just something <laughs> I like to do. It's it's such an, it's, it's, it's not a fun way to sort of have a little, little, you know, just a little flutter, little fun one. It's not fun to sort of pray for no goals, but I do, I do like to do it every now and again. Um, I've got one for you here. Shrewsbury against Portsmouth under two and a half goals for that one, please. And um, for Shrewsbury in the last eight games, there have been a total of seven goals across eight games. So they've been dull as dishwater. And Portsmouth are pretty 
pretty solid. Not not at the moment necessarily, but they, they usually are. And they're not that free scoring. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be a, a tight old game. Interestingly there, Michelle, um, Adrian's gone for Duller's Dishwater. I'm never sure whether it's Duller's Dishwater or Ditchwater. Maybe you could have the casting. Dishwater, isn't it? Is it's it? Dishwater. Right. I've never heard it called Ditchwater. Well, I just think Ditchwater would be duller than Dishwater. Well, Dishwater looks a bit manky, it. doesn't it, when you finish washing your dishes? If, you, if you've yeah. done it properly, yeah. your dishwater's okay. a bit grey. Yeah, that makes sense. What even is ditchwater? I mean, it's just a puddle, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, it's like but brown. it would definitely be dull because yeah. it'd be brown. <laughs> anyway, uh, let us know if you like, at oh. The Totally Show. Uh, meanwhile, Doogie, can you give us the odds on Shrewsbury Pompey under two and a half goals, please? I sure can. Under two and a half goals for Shrewsbury versus Portsmouth is four to seven. Thanks, Doogie. Right, we're heading for League Two next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. In League Two, a win with Flynn. The leader's beaten by Mike's men as he enjoys his first stint in the saddle. Errors. Uh, Port Vale pinch a point at Tranmere in injury time. Easy wins for Northampton, Swindon and Bristol Rovers. And a massive W for Oldham against managerless Bradford. It lifts the Latics out of the relegation zone. Uh, but we are at the new lawn where League Two's standout team were handed a rare defeat. Their first in the league since October by struggling Walsall. Uh, did he change much here, Mike Flynn, Clarky, or, or was this just a case of him coming into this game with zero pressure against the best team in the division and, and go on lads, go and show me what you're all about kind of message. No, it wasn't that. He changed plenty, uh, which was really interesting because they'd, they'd just beaten Tranmere 1-0 um, with Neil McDonald in charge. So so he didn't have to change anything because the previous game under the caretaker was okay. It was better than okay. But he did. And I think that's strong management. He brought it... We changed the system. So they, they were 4-4-2. He's... I think a lot of this season been four two three one. Uh, he went for three five two in the match. He brought in uh, Emmanuel Osadebe, Rollin, Menengese, and uh, Jack Earing as well. And and all three were were really good on the day. It was just one of those afternoons where it, everything that he'd planned for came off. I think the shape, the sort of discipline. Everyone listened to what he'd asked of them, and and they went out and performed their roles. Like clockwork, it, uh, definitely a dream, dream debut for for Flynn here uh, against a a great team. It was it was interesting afterwards. I think I mean it's, it's nice to say this afterwards um, because it makes you look even better. But there was a quote from from Mike Flynn. It said, "I told the players that in order to win, we couldn't make any mistakes because Forest Green are arguably the best League Two team I've seen." In a good 10 years. I thought he was going to say a couple of years, but a good 10 years. So um, that's high praise, isn't it, for, for Forrest Green? Um, but on the day, his team worked really well. The other change, by the way, was he moved um, Tyree Shade, who's on loan from Leicester, been playing sort of out wide as more of a winger, moved him to um, to left wing back. I think, he was, I think he was right wing the previous game. So he's gone from right wing to left wing back, and he did... 
did a great job on on Kane Wilson, who's been one of the stars of League Two. So, as first matches go, first impressions, yeah, he's just smashed it out of the park. And actually, Michelle, as Adrian says there, he he changed a lot from what they have been doing. I was kind of of the mind that, well, you don't change too much to start with, but but maybe right away is the best time to change everything because you've got the players undivided attention and they want to impress you. So they will implement your ideas in a way that, you know, maybe after a couple of months wouldn't be the case. Yeah, maybe some coaches and managers go and say, thinking, I'll just see it with my own eyes to see what's going wrong first. And maybe that's how they want to assess it. But look, if it hasn't been clicking and been brilliant all season, then why not come and put your own stamp on it? That's what you're paid to do. But Walsall were just better on the day, weren't they? They forced... Forest Green into mistakes. They won the first and second balls. I mean, Forest Green were were 19 league games unbeaten. This is only their third defeat of the whole campaign. Their first defeat since October. So Halloween, Bonfire Night, Christmas, New Year's Day and Valentine's Day had all passed <laughs> since anyone had beaten Forest Green. That's quite incredible. And across What's your favourite of those days, Michelle? Uh, Christmas, Christmas Day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not Halloween, is it? Come on. You know me by now. <laughs> Any, anyone who's not picking Christmas from that list has had a seriously bad experience at Christmas. It's Christmas not the best day of the year anyway. <laughs> but yeah, um, picking up 2.26 points per game across that period. So it's pretty incredible. I think Forest Green haven't been in that best recently, but they've had Port Vale, Rochdale and, and Sutton. They've, they've ground out a few results, but Walsall nullified them. And... Some teams might look at what Warsaw did and use that as a blueprint now. We talked about blueprints earlier. Maybe it'll inspire the teams. But I don't think Forest Green need to worry too much. You know, surely they're going up this season. Yeah, they're 13 points clear of the playoff places. Uh, well, that links us nicely to the final selection for our bet builder. It comes from me. I'm going to have Walsall to win again. They are away at Swindon. We know Swindon are ropey at home. So I'm going to say Flynn We'll make it two from two. Doogie, if you could give us the odds on that and the bet builder as a whole. So Walsall to win was 16 to 5, giving today's ACA a total of just under 16 to 1. Very healthy indeed. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com. All the Paddy Power app prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Uh, that'll just about do it for us today. Uh, Michelle, what's in your agenda for this week? Uh, well, this is what I should have put in the ACA on reflection. I should have said that Sheffield United v Blackburn Rovers on Wednesday will be nil-nil because I'm doing that game. But look, if it's four if it's four in a row, I should probably just leave, shouldn't I? <laughs> yeah, the problem's but definitely you if it gets to four. Definitely me, yeah. But no, Sheffield United v Blackburn Rovers, so hopefully that's got some some goals in that one. But both recently have had goalless draws, so I'm a little bit nervous. But big game in the playoffs, that one. Looking forward to it. Clarky, you got anything on from the wide, wide world of football? Um, I Well, we've got this show on Thursday. Be back for that one. Um, I've got a couple of Premier League games, Arsenal Wolves on Thursday and Leeds against Spurs um, at the weekend. So, um, yeah, but I'll be keeping right across, right across Championship League 1 and League 2. Keep a close eye on Leeds too. We might be seeing them again next season, uh, the way things have gone for them. Do join us on Thursday if you can. We'll be reflecting on all the midweek madness and looking ahead to the big games coming up next weekend too. Until then, from Michelle, from Adrian, from Doogie and from me, many thanks for your company today. We'll speak to you Thursday. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an athletic media company production. The Athletic.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.